Well, good morning again, everybody. My name is Chris. I am, I really am grateful that we are able to come here and worship together. Before the band gets too far away, can we just put our hands together and tell them thank you one more time? And John, so grateful to be led uh, by you all. And I don't just want to move right into the message. I just, I just want to just stay here just for a moment and just talk about what we just did. We just sang these songs and I was so moved to hear you all sing. And I just, I was in prayer and I was thinking and I just began to ask the Lord, Lord, what, what are you doing in lives right now? And this is the sense that I feel like is happening in, in this room right now. I had this sense and I just feel like the Lord was saying, there are lives on the rise. There are lives that are being pulled up right now. There are lives that are standing up to their full potential. And here's, here's what I think is going on. When we begin to worship God like this, this amazing thing happens. It says, scripture says that he inhabits, God inhabits the praises of his people. So when we say, God, yeah, we are gathered here not because of my life, but because of his life, all of a sudden, God, we are aware of God in this place. And when we become aware of God in this place, we are aware of God's love right here. Did you know that you are so loved by God right now? So loved by God, that God's grace is here, that God's strength is here. Maybe you know this. You know this scripture that says, uh, I can do all things, how many things? All things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. That's why, in part, I feel like lives are on the rise this morning. If you think that's maybe for your life, would you just nod your head at me? I think that's for me. Yeah, I think that's for you too. You're on the rise. Scripture says that as we begin to surrender to God, as we begin to lift his name up, that he pulls us up. And he pulls us up. Oftentimes, I like to think of it like this. If we surrender our lives to him, like in some ways, in the natural, think if you surrender, uh, if there's a war or something and one side surrenders, that, that person's losing. But it's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. It's not the way it is in the Christian life. When we surrender, when we raise the white flag, we get the victory. We're the ones that li- our lives are on the rise because Christ is pulling us up. If that's good news, would you say amen? All right, amen. Okay, so we are in this series, if you haven't noticed this banner above me, January Challenge. And I, first of all, I just want to say I'm proud of so many of you. So many of you have joined us on this journey. You've come, you went to Christmas Eve and something in the Christmas season, and then you said, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to come to that January Challenge thing. And you have come and you've been a part of it, and I believe that you are seeing your life, it is the words I used earlier, on the rise. Life is on the rise for you. I hope that's true. I believe it's true. I know it's true for many of us because I'm hearing the stories. What we've been saying is we are inviting God into these different areas of our lives. We started out talking about the moments of our days. Then we had the, the stuff challenge where we said, do we really need all this stuff and clutter in our lives? Let's invite God into that. Wellness challenge, the money challenge. And then we are inviting God into all of this. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm seeing life on the rise. I think God's doing something among us. Today, what we're talking about is the calendar challenge. Now, I'm not sure that if I need to give you any challenges for your calendar, because come on, the calendar is already challenging enough. Is it not? I mean, there are so many things about the calendar that are challenging. Let's take a Hosanna poll. How many of you say, Chris, I do calendar and I like it old school. I like to write it down in a calendar that's on paper. I like to carry it with me. I'm old school and that's the way I like it. How about if you do that? All right, there's a bunch of you. I like it. Okay, how many of you say, Chris, it's the 21st century, you know, I like it digital. Come on, I like being invited to things. I like accepting things. You know, I like it digital, and if Jesus was, had a calendar right now, he would have a digital. Anybody? Okay, all right, I'm with you there too. So, we all, we, many of us calendar, we calendar. And the thing about calendaring is, is there's so much going on and so many possibilities that it makes it so challenging. 
Partly this January challenge, what we are saying is we're taking these challenges, these things that are already in our lives that are challenging, and we are saying, how are we going to live 2017 different than last year? See, Scripture says that God calls the end from the beginning. There's a lot of business books out there that have a similar principle, and they say, start with the end in mind. That's what we're doing with the January challenge. We are saying we are going to start with the end in mind. How would God have us live? What might, we, what might happen if we open our lives, if we open our calendars up and we say, God, you're welcome to come in and kind of rearrange this a little bit. Well, I wonder if life would be on the rise. I bet it would be. The calendar is challenging not only because of your own options, but because of your family options too. You're not only trying to coordinate your own schedule, you're coordinating everybody else's schedule. If you, if you know what I'm saying, just nod your head like, yep, got it. Yeah, my, my, my kid, he had his first uh, Christmas concert, and we like Christmas concerts in our house, and so I said, I'm going to go, man, but my schedule was so full. I said, so when exactly do you sing? Do you sing, like, early? Do you sing late? You know how it goes. It's like his first one, and I'm already negotiating it, you know? I'm feeling bad about it. Uh, it's the same season, you know? I was, I was, things were so busy on, on the schedule. You know, maybe you're like me. Like, the calendar ends up looking a little bit more like a football playbook, you know, than it does like a work of art. You know, it's just, you're going here and there and everywhere. And I told my family it was a busy season. I said, guys, I, I, I know my calendar is going to take me all the way up to bedtime. You know, from our little kids, they're two and four. I said, it's going to take me all the way up to bedtime, but I'm going to try to come. I'm going to put you in bed and I'm going to pray with you. And, and of course, once you know it, I was late. Of course, I was late. So I got home. I said, I said to my wife, Emily, hey, you know, are they still awake? She said, I bet so. So I, I went in there. I said, hey, 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 Mason, are you still awake? He said, yep. Of course he's awake. He's always awake. Yep, I'm awake. I said, all right. I said, well, bud, let me pray with you. I said, do you want to pray the Lord's Prayer? And he said, yeah. Now, here's the thing about your calendars. Is that everybody else knows what your calendars, what's happening in your calendaring too. It's starting to stress everybody else out because you have so many options and things to do and things to do. And then you show up late to pray with your kid in bed. And here's what happens when he prays the Lord's Prayer. He starts out, you know, our Father who art in heaven, that's normal. But then he gets to the part about trespasses. That's a big word for a four-year-old. So this is how it came out that night. And Lord, forgive us our stressed pastors as we forgive our stressed pastors who've sinned against us. I'm thinking, what? You just totally pegged me, you know? I bit my lip. I tried not to laugh, but I was like, oh my gosh. Like, okay, Lord, I see what you're saying here. I see what you're saying. A guy went out of there and told my wife, Emily, you wouldn't believe what that kid just said. I wrote it down, actually. He's got this little journal. I wrote it in there. Anyway, calendars can be challenging. And there's a thousand books out there on how to calendar and different approaches, energy management, time management. And you know, different approaches will work for different people. There's a reason that so many people are writing about the calendar because the calendar is important. Your calendar really is your life. The days of your life are in the calendar of your life. If you change one thing in your calendar, honestly, you've changed your life. So I'd like to say, today could be life-changing. If you, have changed, if you can change one thing in your calendar because of, of us discussing this today, because of you thinking about it, because of you opening your life to God and saying, I'm open to you, saying something about my calendar. It's incredibly important because the days of our lives kept track in the calendar of our life. So I began to study scripture about this and I began to look in lots of different passages and I came across two passages that we're gonna look at today. And I think the insight in these passages, honestly, I really do believe that they are life-changing. The first one is... Psalm 90. So you can open your Bible to that, and then we're going to go to Matthew 22. Now, 
As you're opening your Bible, as I was studying the Psalm 90, I came across an awesome sermon by Andy Stanley, and I just want to commend it to you, because much of the information I'm going to give you out of Psalm 90 is really from that sermon, because I thought he did such a great job with it. So if you are resonating with some of the Psalm 90 stuff that we are talking about, go and check this message out. It's in a series called Breathing Room, and it's called Time. So Psalm 90, what is so important about Psalm 90? Some people say it's the earliest psalm. It's the first psalm. Now, I like the Psalms because I'm a musician. I like songs. And and the Psalms are a book of songs that are meant to be sung and prayed. It is the prayer book of Jesus. It's these prayers. So we're going to look at a prayer. Now, this one was written by Moses. Now, what does Moses know about calendaring? Seriously, what does he know about time? Actually, I think you're going to find that it's pretty astounding what he says. I think you're going to, I found it to be um, it's a big light bulb moment for me. Also, I found it to be something that isn't just surface. It's more of a bedrock issue. It's more of the underpinning of a calendar. He's not going to tell you what the calendar. He's going to tell you what time itself is. I think he had a unique perspective. And those of you, if you're new to church, I just want to give you a synopsis of Moses' life quickly before we read his words. This is, I think he had a unique perspective on time and even calendaring because he lived to be 120. Scripture says his eyesight was clear, even at that time. I think that's interesting. He lived to be 120. That'll give you a certain perspective on life. He also, he grew up um, in, in uh, the family that had the most wealth of anybody else in the world. That's interesting. He grew up in opulence and in riches. So if you know the story, he grew up in Pharaoh's house. Yeah, that Pharaoh of like the pyramids and Egypt and all of that. Yep. Now he himself, Moses, was Hebrew. And the Hebrews were enslaved by the Egyptians. And through a course of events, he ended up in Pharaoh's house being an adopted son. So he became a prince of Egypt. Wow. Think of all the flat screens and all the plasma screens that he had and all the different toys he had. I mean, he grew up in riches. That'll give you a perspective. But then he began to make his own choices as he got older and he made some bad choices as well. He even killed a man. That'll change your perspective. He ran off into the desert and he spent 40 years in the desert 40 years in the desert being a shepherd. That will inform your, your, your synopsis on time, your perspective on time, perspective on life and calendaring. Every day doing the same thing. I'm going to let the sheep out. I'm going to watch the sheep. Sheep come back. I go to sleep. Let's do it again. Let the sheep out. I'm going to watch the sheep and then the sheep come back. I'm going to go to sleep and I'm going to do it again. Somewhere in there he got married. But it's the same thing over and over and over and over with the sheep. That'll give you a perspective on time. And you know, remember, Moses didn't know his own story. I bet he thought that was the end of his life. That was going to be his whole life right there. But God came to him and said, Hey, Moses, I got a plan for you. Moses, the life you're living right now, I've got more in store for you. I've got more in store for the world with your life. I think some of that's happening in this room today. I think some of us might feel like we are stuck in a cycle, but God's coming to us and maybe saying, I got more in store for you. So God came to him and said, Moses, go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses wasn't equipped for that. He had a stick and a stutter. Literally, that's what scripture says. He had a stick and a stutter. Now he's got to go to Pharaoh and say, would you let my people go? You know? Oh, man. But he did it. He obeyed and he went. And God moved in the midst of that. And all of those people now left Egypt. Now, this will give you a perspective on time because now he's a leader of what some people say are a million people going back out across the desert to God knows where, literally God knows where, God's leading them to the promised land. And then get this, he, Moses, has to see a whole generation die in the desert. Now, do you think that's going to change your perspective on time? 
calendaring and what's important in life, to see a whole generation, to see everybody you know, everybody that you grew up with, die. Oh, I think that would change your perspective on it. I think you'd gain some wisdom somehow in that. And then in some ways, I think this is a bit tragic. He got to the promised land and he didn't even get to go in, but he could see it from afar, from a hill, because his eyesight was good, right? This is his life. And he has a perspective on time that is so unique, that underpins the system that we calendar in, that I think can just be revelatory to us today if we can grasp a hold of it. So let's look at it. Psalm 90. Let's take a look at this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Let's stop here for a minute. We're just going to kind of talk verse by verse. Right off the bat, he addresses the Lord. Because remember, the Psalms, they are in prayer. They're the prayer book. They're the prayer book of Jesus. I think Jesus would have known this Psalm. I think Jesus would have been informed and also formed by this Psalm. Right here. See, we can have a perspective on time in our own eyes. But really in prayer and in inviting the Lord into it, it's going to change our perspective. And that's what he's doing here in this prayer. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. See, he's already beyond his own life. He's beyond his 120 years or maybe he wrote this when he was 80. I don't know when he wrote it. But he's already beyond his own life and he's starting to think about generations. Time all of a sudden is having a different perspective. He keeps going here. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you our God. Now we're beyond a generation and we're saying everlasting past to everlasting future. You are God and somewhere I am in the midst of it. Do you have a sense of that in your life? That you are part of this larger story, this generations, this everlasting to everlasting. That's a perspective that you get when you begin to say, God, I want to invite you into this. Let's look at the next verse. He says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Now, this should be like in some Hollywood film, like of the Grim Reaper or something, saying, return to dust, you mortals. This is a hard saying, and it might be offensive to us to think, like, does God really say that? I don't know. There's a mystery in this. But I think this is Moses' way of saying, God, somehow you are connected to the beginning and the end. Somehow you know my beginning, and somehow you know my end. And I think we can resonate with that today. You, know, you hear people that have gotten the diagnosis that their, their life is, is, is going to end soon. And somehow they begin to pray. We pray with people all the time here. They start coming to church. They start praying with them. And, and, and maybe they weren't believers before. Maybe they've never been the praying kind. But now all of a sudden they're, they're connecting to God in prayer. Maybe you've heard of somebody who's gotten a diagnosis, who's a dear loved one of yours. And maybe the only thing that comes up to say is, oh my God. That expression right there says, Moses is saying my beginning and my end somehow my life it's somehow you know and it's connected to you a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night a watch is like three hours in the night so he's saying the years are going by fast here God how many of you can admit to that it seems like the older I get the faster those years go I feel like I'm 18 I don't look 18 thank you thank you <laughs> but seriously the years are going by fast it seems like the older I get, the faster they go. And Moses is saying, yeah, that's happening to me too. It's happening to me too. Let's go to the next verse. He says, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Interesting. He's seeing a new perspective on his life in prayer, in inviting this conversation with God. 
See, what he's saying here is, God, my life is going so fast. And even from your perspective of everlasting to everlasting, it must be like the grass that comes up in the morning and then dies at night. It must be so quick. See, oftentimes I think in our lives, we know that our life is short, but we live as if it's going to go on forever. Don't we? Like we live like health is just going to be forever. Like we're going to have health forever. Or we live, I was talking with my wife about this. I think sometimes we, we live like the kids are always going to be in our house in a way. And we take it for granted that this time that we have with these little ones. But they're not going to be there forever. You know, I love the job I have. Maybe you love the job you have. Maybe, I don't know if it's forever. Our life is so quick. These times of our lives, these seasons of our life are so quick. I think it's good to look at this. This is the perspective that he's getting. So it's not just mere calendaring. It's something that's underpinning, something deeper. And we're about to turn a corner here. We're about to see the key. The light switch is about to come on here for Moses. And this is what he says in the next verse. So what do we do with all this? He says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us. This is so profound. This is so, I love that. This is, I feel like this is humble of him. To say, God, life is quick, teach me. You know, I think oftentimes as Americans, we want to just like take life by the horns and just go for it. But here he's saying, life is so quick, God, I, I don't know what else to do but say, teach me. See, God, he lifts up the humble. I think our lives can be on the rise if we just humble ourselves a little bit and say, God, would you lift us up? Teach me to number our days. You know how to number your days. You do this with big projects, whether it's at work or whether it, maybe it was in school or whatever. You know that here's the deadline, here's the project, and so you number your days to make sure that you get to the end goal there, right? And come on, girls, you maybe did this with your wedding. You had that date out there and all the stuff you had to do, you were given your to-be husband's list and they knew their, num- their days were numbered. You know what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? The girls were numbering their days, the guys knew their days were numbered. My wife didn't like that joke either. That's all right. That's fine. Okay, so... Teach us to number our days. We know how to number our days with, with events, but oftentimes with our time, we don't. With our lives, we just don't. But here, the humility and the insight that he has in prayer says, teach us to number our days. I'm glad, it, I'm glad this isn't a period. I'm glad that it just, he didn't stop there. He says, so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom has a voice. Wisdom says, this is going to be in my calendar, and this isn't. Wisdom says, you know what? I'm not going to take today for granted. I'm not going to take next week for granted. I'm not going to have regrets at the end. I'm going to take this day, and here's what's going to be in it. Wisdom says, this is the perspective, not just of my own life, but from a God-size perspective. That's wisdom. And if we can learn to number our days, we can gain this heart of wisdom. The thing is, we are going to gain that heart of wisdom either now or later. You know, you've heard the stories, and, and, I want, I, and we're going to dive into just a couple here in just a moment, but at the end of life, when you know that life is very short, there seems to be a clarity about life. There seems to be some wisdom that can come. People reflect back on their life, and they have kind of 20-20 vision. That's the kind of wisdom he's talking about. But let's not do it at the end of life. Let's do it at the beginning. Let's do it in the middle. Let's number our days all the way along because if we don't, we're just going to end up with regret. There's an interesting uh, article I came across by Bronnie Ware. She's a nurse uh, from Australia who works with people at the end of their life. She works in hospice care. 
And after being with people for uh, many, uh, after many years of being with people at the end of her life, or their lives, excuse me, she noticed that there's a pattern that people would have the same answers to the questions that she would give and that people had common regrets. So she wrote a book about it in, in several articles online. And I want to look at the top two regrets that she has noticed in these people. The people that at the end of life, they have this clarity and wisdom of reflecting back and they have these regrets. What do you think are the top two? Let's look at the second one. Number two, regret. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Some ways, didn't, didn't you already hear that one coming before it came? Man, made me stop and think about it as I've been studying for this message. I wish I didn't work so hard. I had to think about this. She goes on to say this great quote, and I think it's telling. This came from every male patient I nursed. That's sobering. They missed their kids' youth and their partner's companionship. Women also spoke of this regret. All deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on a treadmill of a work existence. Do you think Moses, do you think this is where he's getting this? Maybe it was that 40 years in the desert, the same thing shepherding over and over. Again, I wake up and do it again, and I do it again, and I do it again. And I wonder if somewhere in that cycle he said, you know what? God, teach me to number my days so I can gain a heart of wisdom so that at the end of my life I don't say I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. I think that that quote that she has that we just read, I think there's something very, very beautiful in that. And when it starts talking about your partner's companionship and the lives of their kids and things. Life is beautiful with the people around you if we can number our days enough to prioritize it and see it. And we don't want to have that regret at the end of our lives, so we need to back up here and say, Lord, teach us to number our days so we can gain a heart of wisdom. Let's look at the number one regret. First of all, this isn't depressing, is it? Are you, are you glad you're in church this morning? <laughs> you're like so encouraged, right? Okay, all right, number one. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. Let that sink in. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the ones others expected of me. Number one regret that she saw with people. When you know your days are numbered, there's going to be a wis- there's wisdom in that. And this is what people are reflecting on. Let's go read the quote that, that comes after this. It says, this was the most common regret of all. When people realize that their life is almost over and they look back clearly on it, it is easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. And they had to die knowing that it was due to the choices that they had made or not made. From the moment that you lose your health, it is too late. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. What about you? That's sobering, isn't it? Sobering. And the people at the end of their lives said, I wish I could have lived in my true and authentic self. So Moses says, he sees this coming. Moses sees this coming and he says, you know what? God, teach me to number my days now. Teach me to number my days that I might have a heart of wisdom. Everybody just take a deep breath for me real quick. You have life right now. You have life ahead of you. You have life in you. God has given you this gift of life right now. Your life honestly can be amazing. Your life can be God-sized. You can live in an authentic way, in an authentic self. God himself has designed you, scripture says. He pre-knew you before you even existed. He knows what you could be. And I think today our lives can be on the rise. 
I hope and pray that each and every one of us can live in our authentic selves. And I think that that comes through saying, Lord, teach me to live like you. Teach me to number my days that I can have a heart of wisdom. And I think your calendar, your life can look different because of it. So as I began to think about this a little bit more, I started thinking, okay, all right, I'm seeing what Moses is saying. I'm seeing what Bronny's saying there about the end of life. I get it. I get that my days are numbered. My time is limited. I have to limit how I spent my time. Maybe you want to write that down. That's a good phrase that, that Andy Stanley brought to me. My time is limited, so I have to limit how I spend my time. Okay, so I'm going to start prioritizing. But I need to see this lived out. I need to see somebody do this. Who did this? Who has done this well? So I started researching. I was looking in the scriptures and I started thinking, you know who did this well? Jesus. Jesus did this. I mean, think about it. If you've read any of the stories of the gospels, which Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that part of the scriptures, if you've read any portions of that, you'd heard Jesus himself say that of when his death was going to be. He not only knew how to number his days, he knew his days were numbered. And, he, and if you know the story, he gets to the end of Jesus' life and you don't see Jesus filled with regret, do you? No. You see him living into his purpose. You see him living into the cause in which he was formed and made for. You don't just see, uh, at the end of his life, you don't see death necessarily uh, being the last word. You see spirit power being the last word. You see Jesus living in a sense of love towards us and, and, and all of us in the world. Jesus knew how to number his days. Now, he, did he have a calendar? I don't know, but he sure didn't seem rushed. He sure seemed to live life intentionally and on purpose. He knew what he was going to do. He would say to his disciples, we're going here, we're going here, we're going here. I can't go here, I won't go there. Jesus is the one who said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Jesus knew, he must have known this Psalm 90 verse. He must have have been formed by this. To learn to number his days so that he had a heart of wisdom. Not only did Jesus have a heart of wisdom, I think he was wisdom. So how did Jesus live? That's what I began to think about. If we're going to live this out in our calendars and in our lives, how are we going to do it? Well, people came to Jesus and they asked him this question. They said, Jesus, what's the most important thing about life? Think of it. If you could have a conversation with Jesus, I wonder if you'd ask him that. What's the most important thing about life? How should I live my life? At the time, people in, in, in where he was living, they were trying to follow all these rules. Some 600 commandments. You might have heard of the top 10, 10 commandments. Yeah, okay. But they were trying to follow all these rules. But they came to him and said, which one is the most important? If I'm going to live my life, how should I live it? Which one's most important, Jesus? And this is what Jesus said, Matthew 22. You're gonna, this might sound familiar to you. Jesus replied, you must, what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is the first way to live. Number two is what? The second is equal to it. Sometimes I think we think that loving God is more important. He said it's number one, but he said the second is equal to it. Keep that in mind. Equally important to love your neighbor as yourself. If we're going to learn to number our days and we're going to gain a heart of wisdom and we're going to look to somebody as an example, Jesus has got to be that one because he knew that his days were numbered and he lived with a sense of purpose, not a sense of rush. He lived with a sense of spirit and dude power, a sense of true identity. And when asked, wisdom said, love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. 
So what I'd like to do here is I'm not going to plan your calendar for you, but I want to give you some ideas around those three things just quickly. As a teaching team, we began to discuss some of those, and, and so here's some of the things that came up. How can we calendar? What's important? How do we make these three loves work in our lives? We, we started off the January series by saying we could take mo- a moment out of our day, whether it's five minutes or 20 minutes or hours, connecting with God. I'm telling you, that is life-changing. We want to connect to God because we love him. For love's sake. Because when we love God, he's the one who first loved us. His love pours into our lives. We find out truly that we are loved and we have everything that we need. And we begin to reflect that love back out to the world. You begin to find yourself. You begin to find your true identity. When we connect first to God. How many of you have been Christians for a while and you'd say, yeah, I know that that's true, Chris. Can you raise your hand for us? I think it's going to be a lot of us. I know that's true. If I connect to God, I find myself in the midst of it. Let's love God. You can connect in moments of your day. The other, another way, I would just say it right now, is that you're doing it. You know, Jesus himself, he went to synagogue. We, we say that that's church now. He went regularly to a place of worship every seven days. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm back in church. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm back in church. There is a rhythm to life, and there's a rhythm to loving God. We come here not to just gather with one another, that's part of it, but we come here to say, God, we love you. Because my life should be about love. That's the way to not be bankrupt. That's the way to not regret at the end. Jesus, that's what I see in your life. I want two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, I'm gonna do it again, let's start again. And here you are, I commend you for it. I think this is part of life rising. This is part of you living into your full potential. Right here. So when it comes to loving God, maybe it's just those two things. And you can calendar those, can't you? Yeah. What about loving your neighbor? You know, wh- where do we start with our neighbors? On the other side of the world, other side of the street, other side of our home? <laughs> what, which is our neighbor? All of them. Well, let's just start about, you know, with the people closest to us, the people in our home for a second. You know, how are we loving them regularly? How do we, how do we prioritize them? How do we live with wisdom in making that, those relationships intentional? You know, maybe for some of you with families, it's having a family day. That, 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 we started doing that in my, my family a couple of years ago when we, you know, after the kids and stuff, and we started thinking we should be more intentional about that. And it's really revolutionized our family. Maybe it's something you want to consider. Every week, just have, you have a family day. Just, you do lots of stuff, but you just do it together. It's, it's one of, it's, I look forward to this day every week. Maybe it's connecting with your spouse, you know? I, I was on a bike ride with a guy last summer and uh, this past summer and I said hey man what's new in your life he said well date night is I said yeah you going every week or something yep going every week I said I bet that's great he said nope it's ruining my marriage <laughs> I said what do you mean man he said I'll tell you the truth Chris I, I, we started doing date night and I realized we had nothing to talk about we didn't have anything in common I didn't know who this person was anymore the years went by I didn't know who she was he said but after going on a date every week now for a couple months I love this woman. And our relationship, I think date night saved my marriage, he said. I thought, man, if that's not wisdom. I said, I went home and said, babe, we gotta do date night. (laughs) All right, let's go to date night. And so we've been trying to do that more regularly. But I wonder in your your life, what should it be? If it's it's your spouse, you know, this afternoon at 12.30, we have marriage rebuilders. Man, if you need to tune up in your marriage, if you need to put some love into that marriage, marriage rebuilders could be the ticket for you. Go for it. We see miracles happen in that. That's a way to live life intentionally. So we're thinking, how do we live life intentionally even with these people closest to us? 
Because neighbors aren't just the ones across the, across the world, they're the ones just right there, closest to us. Maybe there's a common way to live intentionally with the people in your neighborhood. Think through that. How do you love them? And lastly, how do we love ourselves? I think that goes overlooked so many times. And I don't really know why that is. But Psalm 90 would say, to live with a heart of wisdom means to number your days. If we connect that to the wisdom of Jesus, he's saying you can't love other people unless you start loving yourself. Some of us have just put ourselves on the back burner for way too long. You are an amazing, unique gift to the world and to the people around you. You should pay attention to you. I'm not saying overdo it here, but be serious about it. When was the last time you sat and thought through some of the needs that are in your own life? How to love yourself? When was the last time you said, you know what? Okay, I, I am gonna put, I'm going to put uh, that appointment on the calendar. I'm going to go see the counselor. I'm going to go we'll see the doctor. I'm going to spend some time alone and gather some of my own thoughts. I'm going I'm to treat myself to this. I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to love myself enough to give myself some grace. It's all connected, isn't it? I want to encourage you to put that into your calendar. If we're going to live a life that honestly is authentic to ourselves, that doesn't have regret at the end of it, that is a life of wisdom, we have to learn to number our days and cherish these days, put it into our calendar. The wisdom of Jesus would say, love God, love yourself, love your neighbor. It's all the direction of love. Folks, if what's in your calendar, if what's filling your days isn't in the direction of love, I think we're going to be bankrupt at the end. But if we can fill our days with things that are going with the grain of love, and that includes your work, you can learn to love inside of your work and the people around you. I'm, not say, I'm saying whatever we're doing, just do it in love. Oh, I think our lives are going to be rich. I want to give you a tool to be able to do this today. You know, every week we have given you challenges um, in the January challenge. We've given you specific things. Today I'm not doing that because we're closing the series out. I'm not giving you specific things. I'm not going to plan your calendar, okay? You get to. You are empowered to do it. And so I, we just have this very simple tool and it says just looking back over the January challenge, including today's topic that we've talked about, what is one thing I want to add to my life? What's one thing I want to subtract from my life? It's one thing I want to do more of. What's one thing I want to do less of? I think this is a powerful tool. If, you, if you'd use it today, if you just write down one thing and you follow through with it, literally you have changed your life. You really have. Sometimes I think we want, to, we want our lives to be different and we think changing our lives can be just this, it's this really hard, big, colossal thing. But just one thing will change your life. One thing. And follow through with it. I want to encourage you to chat through this with those closest to you. What, what might you uh, have that conversation? Who might you have that conversation with, excuse me? Maybe it's even with some of your kids. Uh, maybe it's a close friend, whatever it is. But I want you to consider writing something down today and being formed by it and formed in it. You know, I, I know that today what we've talked about, is, it's a bit serious, I suppose. And I think what I've found is that every service is kind of quiet. <laughs> But I hope that you are somehow encouraged about the life you have. Honestly, folks, this life we have been given is such a gift. Some of you know some of my story. I spent several years of my life thinking I was going to die because of a heart condition. 
I tell you, it's so much better thinking, I have some days ahead of me. And let's be intentional and live with that. Folks, the life you have ahead of you could be God-sized. Scripture says that he has a plan for you, a plan to prosper, a plan of good things. We said this verse earlier, but I want you to say it. I can do all things. Is that half the things that you wrote in your paper or all the things you wrote in your paper? It is, I can do all things, not through my own strength, but through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Can we stand up? Uh, We're going to just commit this to the Lord in prayer. And uh, we're going to ask him to take the things that we have talked about today to gain us a heart of wisdom, to teach us how to do this, and that our lives might be full, they might be rich, that they might go with the grain of love. Let's, be, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we hear this message of what you're saying to us through Psalm 90 and through your own life written in Scripture. God, we want our lives to reflect yours, to reflect a life that is true to the life that you have called us to, a life that is in love. Lord, would you teach us to number our days that we can have a heart of wisdom? God, I thank you that here in this room lies wisdom. Here inside this room, Lord, lies a plan for our lives that, is, that you have dreamed up for us. And Lord, I pray that the life that you have called us to live, that we would live it. So Lord, may it come to pass. God, I thank you for your love that pours into us, Lord. Pouring your strength into us, Lord. We give you thanks for it. We thank you for this life. We are grateful for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Church, thank you for joining us with us on the January challenge this month. I hope it's been good for you. On your way out, stop at a table for small groups. Come forward for prayer. I want to bless you on your way out. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in the time of your life. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We'll see you soon, everybody. God bless you.